great singing this morning. Brother Aaron, would you come and pray before you before you preach to us? We pray you would uh, meet with us, speak to our hearts, Lord. We pray and uh, we're thankful for the beautiful day that we have that we can gather in your house to worship you and uh, pray that you'd speak to our hearts, and help us to leave this place changed and. Have your will in way today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. And uh, several announcements in the bulletin. So uh, today's Palm Sunday, uh, which means Easter is next Sunday, uh, which means your time to invite somebody to come with you to Easter is coming to an end. So if you haven't already invited your person, uh, get that done this week and uh, bring somebody with you Sunday. Uh, and be praying uh, for our services next week, and uh, look forward to uh, a great day in the Lord. We'll have sunrise service, um, and then uh, Sunday school at 11 o'clock. Uh, and Friday, uh, we're doing something different this year. We're having a Good Friday service at 7, uh, so I encourage you to come and be a part of that, and we're looking forward to that. Um, and so... Remember the uh, prayer request email and several other announcements in the bulletin, so take note of those things. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 7 this morning. I appreciate Seth and uh, Jeff doing a great job for me last week. I appreciate your prayers and calls and uh, looking after me and uh, checking on me. We appreciate that, and uh, thankful to be feeling much better. And uh, miss being here, but it was nice being able to uh, be virtual and still join you in uh, spirit, even though I, Wesley and I weren't able to be here in person. So, um, so I'm going to share with you the messages that I intended to preach last week. I'm going to preach them this week. So. Um, and so Revelation chapter 7 is where uh, we're at. And um, I'm going to talk about the Good Shepherd uh, this morning. It being Palm Sunday, we, uh, there's so much uh, that we have to be thankful for and uh, what Jesus has done for us. And uh, this time of year reminds us that without Jesus, we would be in big trouble. Uh, but thank goodness... And thank God, because of his grace and because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, we're able to have life and we're able to uh, find newness and we're able to find forgiveness and mercy and, and wholeness that, that we're seeking after. Uh, and part of the reason for that is because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And uh, the week uh, before Jesus was crucified on the cross on Friday, and we'll, sit, we'll remember that on uh, Friday, uh, he came into Jerusalem on a, a donkey and people were waving palm branches. Uh, and to us that sounds like a very, very strange thing. And to be honest, it, it really kind of is, uh, but it was a prophecy from the Old Testament uh, that the Messiah, the one that God would send to deliver, would come on a new uh, cult, uh, and that's what Jesus did, and that people would 
would come and sing uh, praises uh, to the Lord and uh, be singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and guess what? That's exactly what came to pass. We have to remember, though, that those same people, some of them that were in that crowd singing Hosanna on Saturday and Sunday uh, were trying to crucify him on Friday. Uh, and so um, a, um, a stark uh, contrast in, in, in their reactions. And yet Jesus was faithful to continue doing. Though the days were hard and long and at times lonely and at times even those that were closest to him that he spent the most time with did not get it. And yet he stayed the course and he was about his father's business. And the reason was, was because he was that good shepherd uh, that God said he was going to send uh, to shepherd his people. And so let's take a look, beginning in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 7. It says, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And then verses 5 through 8, uh, he goes through and, and lists those, uh, 12,000 from each of them. And then in verse 9, he picks up, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with the white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, Thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And so he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so John, as he continues to 
uh, be shown by the Lord the things that are going to happen in the last days and remember that uh, this letter, this vision was given to John as an encouragement, uh, not just to John, but to the church as a whole because God's people were enduring uh, great persecution. Remember, John, as he wrote this, was in exile in the island of Patmos. He was an old man by this time um, and yet remained faithful to God and you know, wasn't um, you know, torn. Uh, in his faith, uh, and his faith only, in fact, solidified and increased uh, because he found God is faithful. And Reb God spoke to John, said, I want you to remind my church that though there are battles, the good shepherd wins the war, and the good shepherd is with his people, and the good shepherd is in the midst of the people, and the good shepherd is... Uh, hanging in and hanging on and hang uh, with his people uh, because he is the good shepherd. Remember, Jesus himself referred to himself as the good shepherd. Uh, psalm uh, 23, the, the shepherd's psalm, uh, reminds us of you know, victory, though it's often read at funerals. It really is a psalm of life and victory and deliverance. Uh, where David says, you know what, yeah, I'm walking through dark days and dark paths, and yet God's right there with me. And God is leading me and directing my path and walking with me. And remember, David said in Psalm 20, he sets a great table before me of everything that I need. Because a good shepherd feeds and leads his sheep. And Jesus does the same thing for us. And so uh, a few things that we want to see from Revelation chapter 7 this morning, and the first is this, that Jesus is the good shepherd, but the good shepherd provided a great sacrifice. As John is up there in the throne, remember that they've, they've worshipped him in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, and he's un... Uh, He's loosened some of the, taking the, the scrolls of the, off of the seal. Uh, we'll get to the seventh one next week. And, um, but he's unloosed six of them already. You know, we've talked about some of those things. And, and now they're back to worshiping. Uh, and John is there in the midst, and he's taking all of this in. And somebody comes up to him and says, you know what, who are those guys that are in the white robe? And John says, you know who they are. He says, yes, I do. And he tells him. He says, those are the ones who have taken their robes and they've been washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, we're all praise Martin. We've gotten uh, probably blood on some clothes when we've cut ourselves. Uh, we know that when blood gets on cloth, it doesn't turn it white. Uh, you know, we know that it, it'll ruin it. It'll turn it, uh, you know, a dark kind of burgundyish color, uh, and it's hard to get out. No matter what color the, the garment is, it, it's going to, when blood gets on it, it's going to affect it. And yet Jesus' blood washes us white as snow. And the imagery that 
God intends for us to understand is, you know, why does purity and uh, sinlessness, and we are not sinless on our own, and we are not white. In fact, on our own, we're as filthy rags. But when Jesus comes, and one drop of his blood takes our battered and torn rags and makes them white and new. And so now John sees God's people wearing uh, white robes signifying and reminding them of the new life that they have not in themselves and not just in the midst of enduring persecution and difficulties, although that does help us grow closer to the Lord because when the Lord is all that we have, we find he's all we need. And he reminds us over and over again throughout the the letter of Revelation that God is there for us. And he's all we need. And what we needed was not a great military leader. That's what the Jews expected in the first century. They expected a military leader to rise up and overthrow the Roman government that was oppressing them. That is not how Jesus came, and that's not what happened. But what happened was this baby, born in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem, raised in a carpenter's son's home in this little town of Nazareth, did not take others' lives, but gave his own life and shed his own blood for the remission of sin so that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that Jesus Christ endured the agony of the cross. He endured uh, all of that, all the rejection that he faced throughout his ministry. He endured that for me and for you and for all the world. We must not lose sight of the fact that Jesus died for the world. Not just for a select few, but for all. That anyone that would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ would be saved. Do we know that? Because in the beginning of this vision, what did the angels do? God said, you take every corner of the earth and you fold it up. And God is giving us a vision and a reminder. And he said, listen, it's every tribe and every tongue that people everywhere would come to know and and see exactly who Jesus was. And so that sacrifice is offered to everyone. And that's good news. Because if it's offered to everyone, that means, hey, it's available to me. And it's available to you. And that is what the, the, the wonder and the mystery the thing about God's plan that makes the least sense 
hey, it makes sense that God loves us because, hey, we're all lovable. Aren't we? We're pretty good people most of the time. But we've all got some folks in our family that we assume snip their branch of the tree out because uh, they're rascals. And we know there are some rotten people in this world. But you see, God loves even them. God loves the unlovable. God loves those that reject him. God loves those that run away from him, and yet he pursues after them. And I'm thankful because there was time, you know, I didn't always follow after God, and I wasn't always seeking after God, but he was always seeking after me. And he never gave up on me. And so one day I came to accept him as Lord and Savior, and he washed me white as snow, gave me a new robe, gave me new life. And if you have found Jesus, you've experienced that same thing. And so we must never lose sight of the fact that that good shepherd provided a great sacrifice. It wasn't just any old little lamb. But it was the King of kings and the Lord of lords that shed his innocent blood and became the Lamb of God. And so the good shepherd provided a great sacrifice. But then Revelation chapter 7 reminds us that God's people must endure great difficulty. Somewhere along the road, I'm not sure where it came from, but people began to get the idea that if you were doing what God wanted you to do and you were living how he wanted you to live, everything would be hunky-dory in your life. And you'd have everything that you wanted, everything, you know, you'd have that mindset, everything you touch is turned to gold. Well, for Midas, it didn't turn out so good, and it wouldn't for us either. But we know that, listen, walking and serving God is not a cakewalk. It's hard. It's hard just if we were left alone to ourself, it'd be hard. But we live in a world with other people. And there's days other people make it very, very, very difficult to walk with the God. Because you want to slap them. And God says, don't slap them, give them a hug and love them. He said, love your enemies and pray for them. And that's hard to do. Because when somebody makes me mad, my natural instinct is not to pray for them and give them a hug. And yet that's what God calls us to do. And yet Jesus reminds us, didn't he, in the gospel, didn't he say, you know what, don't you be surprised, Brother George, if as you follow me, people treat you like they treated me. How did they treat Jesus? They didn't give him hugs and high fives. They crucified him. They ran him out of town. They didn't like him. Many. And so Jesus said, don't be surprised when they reject you. Don't be surprised when they arrest you. Don't be surprised, uh, you know, when they try to shut you up. And by the way, since that first century... People throughout the world, various governments and you know, systems within this world have been trying to silence God's people, and guess what? They haven't done it. 
And the book of Revelation reminds us they never will because God ultimately has the final victory. But we are reminded here throughout these early chapters of Revelation as we've read through them and here in chapter 7 as well that as God's people, when we're faithful, when we're walking with him, there will be difficulties. Why, there were many here that in, in these white robes that uh, had endured great difficulty, great tribulation, it says. Tribulation comes in different forms, in different places, in different times but tribulation has always been around. And if tribulation, you know, sometimes we ask and we wonder, I know I wonder, God, why do you allow some of this nonsense to go on? Now, last month we've seen great atrocities in the country of Ukraine and other places around the world. You know, we, we see... You know, people being killed just simply because they believe in Jesus in different parts of the world. And we wonder, say, God, how on earth do you allow this to continue? Now, I do think God has the power. He's all power. He could stop it. But he knows that there's a greater good and there's a, there's a reason and a purpose. Going through it, we, don't, we never like the purpose of going through difficulty because difficulty is never fun. But difficulty sometimes is very necessary. Sometimes God uses those difficulties to get us to trust him more. Sometimes God uses those difficulties to purge things in our life that oughtn't be there. Sometimes that's what it takes to get our attention. Now, not every difficulty, again, that comes your way is there because you're out of God's will or you're doing something wrong. But sometimes it might be. But sometimes it might be that God just allows those things to come to show how great and powerful he is and how merciful he is. I want you to think about a person who mistreated you at some point. Maybe it was whatever situation it was. May have been saying this kind word. It may have been abusing you in some way, or you know. And unfortunately, most all of us have that happen at least one time in our life. And that's not God, by the way. Uh, that's the effects of sin and Satan and evil in this world. But those when that evil stuff happens to uh, those people that have done and committed those atrocities, do they become your best friends? Probably not. Do you just instinctively say, oh, I forgive you. Hey, you slapped me on this way, here's my other cheek. Jesus spoke to that. And so it's hard to obey and live how God tells us to live. It's not hard to know how we're supposed to live. 
It's easy to know what we're supposed to do. God's plainly told us in his word, and he gives us his Holy Spirit to help guide us. But can I tell you, it is very difficult most of the time because we know what to do, but it's, oh, it's hard. And it goes against the grain, it goes against our culture, it goes against everything this world says is right and good. And so God's people must learn to endure great difficulty. Remember, Jesus said, you know, he that lasts, he, he that endures. Paul says, he that endures. John says, he that endures. Paul said, he said, you know what, it's only those that finish the race that get a prize, that can win. If you quit, you definitely won't win. And so God reminds us, and this is such an important lesson for us, God's people must learn to endure great difficulty and find even in the midst of that difficulty that God is right there in the middle of it. Sometimes we find that's where God is nearest to us is when things are difficult. And the reality is it's not that he moves closer to us, it's we move closer to him when difficulties come. And so Jesus loves us, gives us grace and mercy, made this great sacrifice, and reminds us that we must endure difficulty. And then finally, I want us to remember as we think about this chapter that the good shepherd continues to supply for us. God continually supplies what we need. Not only did he supply that supreme sacrifice, but notice what John says here. He says, listen, they're not going to hunger anymore. They're not going to thirst anymore. They're not going to get hot. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will supply them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe every tear from your eyes. Life sometimes is hard. And serving God sometimes is hard. And sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes there's there's difficulties and pains, and yet we must remember that God is there with us. We find, as David did in Psalm 46, reminds us that we find that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And so, John reminds us, hey, listen, yeah. We, we've endured this difficulty and yet Jesus is, is winning the war. We're up here in heaven and people are worshiping and yet the lamb is still supplying. Jesus is still bringing people that living water. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, he, he met that woman at the, the well in John chapter 4. And 
they had this discussion about water and things turned spiritual pretty quick. And Jesus said to this woman, he said, you know what, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water so that you would never thirst So Jesus continues to supply. Where does that living water come from? It doesn't come from some mystical spring in the mountains. It comes from Jesus. That God is that ever-living water. That God is the one that supplies our life and sustains our life. That he really is all we have. If he, and that's enough. And yet, he gives us so much more. We could spend the rest of the day until lunchtime and, and even past talking about all the ways that God has blessed us and that God has supplied our needs. And I sure am thankful for that. And I hope you are as well. But what does all this come down to? What does it boil down? What's John's point? The point is this, that Jesus really is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd never leaves you, and he never forsakes you, even though it sometimes seems like he has. There's times when, you see, when it seems you're all alone. The reality is you're never alone that God is always there with you. And that God and surrounds you with uh, other believers. And not just a few. I don't think there's literally 144,000 people like that there's different groups that take that and mean different things. I think it, I, John is using a word picture figure speech to remind us that, listen, there's a lot of people around God's throne and God's kingdom, and they're from every tribe and every tongue. In other words, everybody from all over, there's, there's not a, a nation or people group that's excluded from the gospel. Anybody can be saved. Not everybody is saved. But the offer is made to everybody. And those that endure, those that receive that message and that gift by faith, find new life. They find those white robes. And they find that they never hunger and they never thirst after uh, the things of this world. And that their longings, the things that they desire in life are met. Because when you meet Jesus, the desires and needs of your life change. And they become Christ-centered. And they're not filled by the things of this world any longer. Food runs out. We found out a couple years ago when uh, COVID started, and thankful that we're getting back to more normal. Uh, but you remember that all the stores, all the shelves were empty of toilet paper. And we found what we thought was, we, before 2020, 
there's not one of you that ever thought or worried about running out of toilet tissue. That didn't cross your mind. You just said, hey, it's always going to be there. Why? Because it's always been there. Until it wasn't. And then people had to start putting limits because people started hoarding, you know, buying 50 things of, of toilet paper and, you know, stockpiling them in a shelter somewhere or in a garage somewhere and uh, afraid that they would. Uh, but anyway, that's not a, this isn't a sermon about hoarding or anything like that. But listen, we worry about supplies ending, but here's the truth the supply of God's grace and God's living water and God's nourishing bread never, ever ends. And that's what the message of the entire book of Revelation is about. Is that, yes, you'll endure some difficulties and there's some hard days, but God is and God, in Jesus Christ, is the good shepherd that never leaves you and never forsakes you. And I hope you'll know that and encourage that, be encouraged by that this morning. And I hope as well that you will share that message with somebody this week that needs to hear it. Uh, and so uh, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed for Sunday school this morning. And I uh, hope you'll join us for... Uh, Bible study and be praying for uh, our services this morning and baptism that we'll have at 11 o'clock. And uh, so Brother George, dismiss us in prayer, please.